I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, happy summer, everyone. The summer solstice is here and gone. It is now actually summer, not just feeling like summer, getting to summer. We're here. I don't want to fast forward too much, but obviously fall is when football is. At the end of summer is when training camp starts, really kind of the second, third of summer, I guess. That's going to be happening in about a month, July 26th. The Bills will be opening training camp in St. John Fisher, and uh, we're ready to talk about it all when that happens. In the meantime, we still got a lot to get to. In fact, the Bills making some news this week and still some stuff lingering from last week. Sal Capaccio here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for joining me on the audio version, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever you find it. Of course, download, subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. And of course, on video on the South Sports YouTube page. If you haven't found either one, well, check it out and maybe you'll like one or the other. But we appreciate all of the different ways that you come and find us here. And of course, my co-host, Matt Bovey, normally here with me. But again, he's on paternity leave and uh, he's going to be joining us as soon as he's ready to. So we'll just say it that way. And of course, being a new dad always has uh, a lot of really cool things and parts to it. And we wanted him to enjoy that as much as possible. In the meantime... We had a couple special guests on the last episode and another special guest joining me right now. Welcoming in my friend from WROC TV in Rochester. He is the sports director there. He's also one of the co-hosts of Buffalo Kickoff Live. You'll find me on there as well uh, during the season across the state on, you know, WIVB TV in Buffalo, WROC TV in Rochester. Thad Brown, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Sal? Thanks for having me in, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. No problem. Um, It is summer already, right? I mean, we wait all year, like December. I'm like, all right, come on, just get through December. Let's get to January. I kind of like take it in pieces. And I think March is like the end of the tunnel. It's not really because it could still be cold in March and May and April and May here in Buffalo. But here we are, man. It's summer. It's awesome to feel like this in Buffalo. You know, I think we, with our job, because we we do so much with, with the Bills and, you know, we're, we're with that team following them from day one of training camp all the way until, you know, whenever the playoff elimination happens or, or a Super Bowl happens. Summer is weird because, yeah, it, like, it starts this week by the the meteorological calendar but for us it's over in a month because by the end of july it's work season you know although the weather's still summer wise you know all the vacation stuff for us is gone the golf is significantly curtailed so it just it just feels weird that yeah summer's here and then it's going to be over in like five yeah and july 26th is when training camp begins at st john fisher and i'll tell you um sometimes when I'm at St. John Fisher in the morning, I go down for the morning show and I'm there with Howard and Jeremy, or now in this case, you know, it'll be Jeremy and Joe and it gets crisp and it's like, you got dew on the grass and you can feel the chill in the air. And I can kind of just sense it already, even though it's not here yet, just that little, that feeling. You know, Sal, for me, that that's a great feeling because to me, when I, when I see the dew 
you know, that always makes me think of a good summer day that's coming. Or, and more likely than not, when I see the dew, I'm probably putting a tee in the ground in the first hole somewhere and, and you know, getting a golf round going underway. So every time that that, that feeling, that environment, that look comes around, especially in, in, you know, in Western New York, where we don't get that a whole lot. I mean, there's, what, like eight to ten weeks of that every year. I love it. I revel in it. My favorite time of year. Speaking of golf, before we get to the Bills, you and I had a chance to play out at uh, the – uh, Eric Woods Foundation, the Evan Wood Fund at Oshai Children's Hospital. They do a golf tournament. Uh, BNL Wholesale is the one, uh, the company that puts it on. It was out of Terry Hills and Batavia. And it was today, the day we're recording this, we were able to do that. And you know what happens on social media. You know, you post something and it becomes about something else. So I asked everybody to critique all of our golf swings. The number one comment is about your calves. Yeah. Dad. The yeah, number one whatever. comment is, have you always had these big muscular calves yes um so it's a genetic thing in <laughs> fact uh, my brother did not get them my sister did and my sister every once in a while will say i wish i had my brother's legs which is hilarious to think about and it. then on top of that I, I played football so you know when you're yeah. in high school you're building up all the muscles and the, the calf muscles for me built up you know quite nicely it got to the point where uh, a few years ago um one of the high school football teams in rochester because i go cover high school football games all the time so one of the teams we would cover is wilson and a few of the kids from from that team would then like you. So I'd, I'd cover them on a on a Friday, and then on Saturday they might go scout the team they're playing the next week. They'd see me. They would call me Mr. Big Cavs. That would be my name whenever they saw me. Say, hey, what's up, Mr. Big Cavs? How you doing? I love so it. yeah, I mean it, it's it, it you know there are worse physical things to yes. to have people notice about you for sure. But yeah, the the Cavs do stand out for me and, and always have. All right, do you still do leg day at all? No, I mean other than it's just cardio now. I'm okay. too old for that stuff. I mean, I probably could. I shouldn't say I'm too old. I would do it. But uh, we're, we're trying to keep it to the bike and the, and the running right now. I totally get it, man. As a 50-year-old man now, I totally get it. I, I, I Leg day has long passed me by. I don't do it anymore. I still lift, but it's like, ah, eh, I'll run for my legs. I can get my workout done that way. So, Mr. Big Cavs, we might have to refer to them him as that and even change that banner down on the bottom we <laughs> to change that to mr big calves sports director wroc it, it won't be that brand route. new if you guys want to do that it won't be something that, that's going to be a shock it, it'll be uh, people people in rochester know exactly what you're talking about for the most part well we talked about rochester i want to get to training camp in a little while but let's um let's get to that in a minute let's go back to what the bills did this past week and uh before we talk here uh, Sean McDermott has named and the team has named Eric Washington, the team's assistant head coach. He replaces Leslie Frazier, who we know how now will not be coaching with the team in 2023. He's taking a year off. And now we know he's actually a part of the accelerated program. He's meeting with other teams. Who knows if he even hooks on with the team for 2023, but he won't be on the Buffalo Bills coaching staff, even though he actually is still a member of the organization uh, in whatever capacity that he would be still under contract. Just your thoughts on Eric Washington being named the assistant head coach. Do you have any thoughts on what this means at all? I don't think it's it's a, a huge deal. I mean, I think, you know, off the bat, when I see a guy promoted to assistant head coach, to me, you know, it looks like someone's being given a raise as a reward for good work. Um, I think there is some football sense to it, potentially. You know, with Sean McDermott taking over play calling duties on the defensive side, you know, he will need more senior help, people who can, you know, handle some of the other day-to-day, week-to-week jobs a defensive coordinator would probably take on that he might not have time for because he's also the head coach. Now, they have Al Holcomb, who could you know theoretically handle some of this as well, but Eric Washington has been a coordinator recently. He's been a coordinator under Sean McDermott, with Sean McDermott 
calling the, or, or I'm sorry, he's been a defensive line coach under Sean McDermott as defensive coordinator. So the, the, uh, the hierarchy is kind of similar in this case. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, bumping him up probably in pay, but, you know, probably likely in responsibility as well for a guy that I think has done a pretty good job here. You know, I, people talk about the growth of Greg Rousseau as a, a pass rusher. And to me, you know, Eric Washington, I'm assuming, you know, maybe Leslie Frazier too, but the way the Bills were able to get Greg Rousseau into positions to be dangerous, to threaten the quarterback, to get those sacks, you know, to me, a, a decent amount of it was schemed up very smartly to be able to use the things Rousseau does well to get him into the backfield. So I, I think Eric Washington deserves some credit for that. And I've talked to a lot of the defensive linemen about Eric Washington. They rave about him. They love the fact that in Buffalo, they're able to pass rush their way. They're able to, when they want to get after the quarterback, they do it in a way that caters to their strengths. A lot of these guys, you know, Jordan Phillips has told me, you go somewhere else, and he wouldn't name a particular team, but you go elsewhere in the league, and there are teams and defenses that will dictate a, a way you're supposed to rush or, you know, a, a way you're supposed to attack the quarterback. That doesn't happen in Buffalo. And as a result, these guys will just praise Eric Washington up and down. So, you know, whatever the purpose of the promotion is from the Bills' point of view, from in that locker room, it is definitely one that the players will see as very merited. Yeah, I'm glad you said you think he's done a good job because – the reaction I got on social media from just posting that they made this move was pretty far and away negative in the sense of people saying, what has he done? Greg Rousseau hasn't, uh, I'll, I'm sorry, AJ Epinesa, for example, hasn't become what people thought he would. Ed Oliver has been inconsistent. Boy, the defensive line struggled last year. Look what happened in the Cincinnati game. Now, I'll tell you, I think it's a knee-jerk, far-fetching reaction. I think Eric Washington's put his time in in this league, and he's just as deserving of this particular opportunity as many other people. I mean, you have John Butler on staff who could have been named. You have Bobby Babich, who's coached three All-Pros in the last couple of years at safety and linebacker. But Eric Washington, to me, is a fine choice to do those administrative duties based on what he's done in his career and his career arc. But what do you say to people who say, wait a minute, the defensive line has underperformed, so why are you promoting the guy and giving him that extra responsibility, the guy who's in charge of that group? I think some guys have underperformed. Epinesa probably has not been where people would want him to be. You know, uh, Boogie Basham, same thing, probably is underperformed. But on the flip side, on top of Greg Rousseau, I really like what the Bills got out of Daquan Jones as a pass rusher last year. I did not think he would be that level of a threat to the quarterback. And, you know, I would I would argue, and I don't know how many, how many arguments I'd win with this, but I would argue that, you know, as a pure pass rusher, Daquan Jones might be the second best guy on the team last year behind Von Miller. I mean, he might be a better pure pass rusher than Ed Oliver. And I think he's, I would be pretty convinced to say as just a one-on-one -on -one guy, I think he's a better pass rusher than Greg Rousseau too. Now look, it's not a guarantee. Regardless though, I think Rousseau and Daquan Jones were guys who overperformed. You know, Von Miller was still Von Miller. Eric Washington's not going to be perfect. He's not going to coach everybody up. And I don't think he's the best defensive line coach in the NFL. And I don't have a lot of experience with 80 of them. But I think, by and large, he's done more good than bad, and I don't have a problem with this promotion at all. The thing the promotion represented to me and signified to me had nothing to do with Eric Washington. I'm happy for the man. I think that he's put in his time in this league, like I said, and we hear a lot of great things coming from the people he's coached and the people he's around and the other coaches. The thing this mostly represented for me was another departure from Leslie Frazier. Now, it's not like I thought he was coming back or anything like that, but when you see it, when you see – He's been named assistant head coach. That's just another reminder. They've moved away from Leslie Frazier. To me, there's no chance Leslie Frazier is coaching again in this organization after 2023. 
We know he's not going to be coaching this year. I know that they've kind of hinted that he won't be back, but the door's always been kind of left open there. But this is another kind of reminder to me that they've moved away from Leslie Frazier. And it seems like the further we go in the offseason with Sean McDermott talking about calling the plays and the players talking about Sean McDermott calling the plays, we're getting further and further away as a reminder of Leslie Frazier is no longer here. Yeah, yeah, I think once Leslie Frazier started talking on his own with other teams, that to me was was all the evidence I needed to see what the future of Leslie Frazier in Buffalo yeah. was, which is, and now look, like you said, the door isn't 100% closed and you never know. But to me, Leslie Frazier, in my mind, is a former Bills coach. This is not a guy that's coming back to be a, a coordinator or work in any capacity under Sean McDermott. You know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and speculate on what the exact reason was, but the Bills have moved on. Sean McDermott's the guy running the defense now for better or worse. And like you said, you know, Eric Washington being promoted is a sign of that direction. But, you know, to me, that that ship has already sailed in my mind. All right. Well, a lot of stuff still lingering from what happened about a week ago with Stefan Diggs showing up and then not showing up to minicamp. And then he was there the next day on the field. We'll talk about that here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sal Capaccio with Thad Brown, Mr. Big Cavs, the sports director at WROC-TV in Rochester. It's always game day in Buffalo. We're still having national media more than anyone, more than local, talk a lot about Stefan Diggs. There's such a there's such a mystery to what happened last week. So I don't I I don't blame people for still wanting to dive into it. I know there's a sentiment from some fans out there that of just let it go, they've moved on. And I and I understand that that hey, it seems like everything's fine now. That's what Sean McDermott said, it's been resolved, he's been there. But until we know what's happened, there's always this kind of mystery, like I said, and it kind of plays out like a soap opera and people are tuned in and want to know what's going on. Until Stefan Diggs speaks to, you know, probably the local media, but theoretically at some point, this is still going to be an open-ended mystery. This is still going to be something people will talk about and theorize about what happened with Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, what is still potentially happening with Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. Now, you know, Sean McDermott said it's resolved. And if, and if he says it's resolved, I have no evidence to sit here and tell you otherwise. But in the minds of 
any media, local or national. You know, I, I know we're not out there throwing things on the wall as often as the national guys seem to be the last few days. But, you know, no, there are very few people in local media that have a concrete idea of what's going on. Probably probably none of them. And until Stefan Diggs answers questions or at least says something about where he stands, what his you know, uh, temperament is, where he is relationship-wise with Josh Allen, Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, any of these people that theoretically could be the problem, there is going to continue to be talk about what is wrong in Buffalo, what is the issue with Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. And it's not going away until that happens. And and because of the way the NFL calendar is set up to where, you know, no one is going to have any access to any NFL player until late July, this is probably something that's going to, you know, maybe even dominate talk shows between now and then, in a large part also because there's nothing else going on. You know, if if we had the NBA Finals next week and the World Series the week after that and the College Football Championship the week after that, well, then Stephon Diggs would be, you know, pushed to the side a little bit. But in part because the Bills and Diggs have not put an end to this, and in part because there's nothing else going on, this is going to continue to be a fairly, I think, hot topic when it comes to national talk, national stories, national social media. You know, the reason why I think he needs to talk, and we've had this debate. Fans, you hear it. I hear it. He doesn't owe you guys anything. Why does the media want to, you know, keep hammering this? He he doesn't have to talk to you. Well, actually, like, guys really do kind of have to talk in the media. That's a separate issue, but there is a requirement for certain guys to talk at certain times and everybody to be heard from at some point. But the reason why is exactly everything you said is right. You know, until we know, right, what happened – there's always going to be there's always going to be this thing until he stops it. But why is that important to me is because this. Once we know, then it's going to be a little bit easier to understand as the season goes on and think about if those things come up again. For example, if he says, hey, I was really upset about not being targeted. Well, guess what? Then in week two or three, if he's not being targeted, aren't we all going to wonder, is he going to be upset again? Um, if he says that's not the reason, it's just as important for us that that. If week two or three is not being targeted, I don't think he's going to say, yeah, he's all right. He he wasn't mad about that. To me, that's what it is. It goes into the season with everyone wondering, and every time, time something happens, people might be wondering either, A, is he upset about this particular thing or issue, or B, we can actually dismiss it and cross it off if he tells us that's not what it is. You know, and it's a great point because uh, think about it this way. When Stefan Diggs talk and talks, and it is going to happen at some point, does he take an approach – to not try and and even hint at what the specific reason would be. Because whether it's targets, whether it's a relationship with a coach or a player, no matter what has been bothering him, if he alludes to it or even specifically says it, well, then it becomes a talking point for all of us in the media every single week You know, to check on, well, Stefan Diggs was upset about this back in June or back in last January. Here it happened again. Is he upset about it in September? So does he address it specifically at all or does he try and, you know, play it from a team point of view where I think the goal would be, let's make this not a distraction. If Stefan Diggs talks about it very vaguely or even, you know, totally dismisses the idea there was ever a problem to begin with, which I think is a distinct possibility, then there doesn't become, like you said, how many targets did he get this week? What's his reaction when Josh Allen overthrows him? What's his reaction when he walks to the sideline or when he's near Ken Dorsey, you know, in a, in a practice setting? It allows the Bills and, and you know potentially Diggs to to take whatever this is and push it to the side, depending on how he reacts to it. And, and you know I think Stefan Diggs is a, a smart enough guy to understand that what he says will have repercussions beyond just whenever that press conference is in likely late July or early August. So 
how he addresses this, you know, uh, you know, might be even more important than when he does it or or any specific problem he brings up. Nobody's going to deny that they have to have Stefan Diggs, right? He's such an integral part of what they do. Josh Allen said it. This doesn't work without 14. This doesn't work without Stefan Diggs. We all know that. But let's just take him out of the equation. Let's take a look at the rest of the receivers. I'm not saying if they go into a game like this, but what is your feeling about two and beyond, meaning Gabe Davis and what they have behind behind him? And you can include Dalton Kincaid here because he's going to act like a wide receiver. He's going to be in that, that flex tight end role. He's going to be in the slot. But they have Gabe Davis. They still have Khalil Shakir, obviously, from last year. And I say that as a reminder because we didn't hear from him a lot last year. He started to get targeted a little bit more down the stretch. But now Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, and then Justin Shorter gets drafted. Really, it's those five guys, Davis, Shakir, Hardy, Sherfield, and Shorter, you're probably choosing from to talk about this particular point point, what it looks like. I think there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of possibility there. I mean, you know, you go up and down that list. I love Dalton Kincaid as a first round pick. I think this is a guy that can be an absolute weapon at the, you know, tight end hybrid receiver, whatever you want to call him. You know, I think we've seen what Gabe Davis can do. I mean, the 200 yard playoff game against the chiefs a couple of years ago, there have been moments where it looks like he can be a, a difference maker as a number two receiver, uh, Deontay Hardy. I mean, this is a guy that can flat out fly and, and the biggest issue with him so far has been injuries. You know, when he's on the field, at least his most recent season, he was seemingly had the potential to be a pretty dangerous receiver. Even Trent Sherfield, you know, a guy that's been, I think, generally a special teamer primarily last year in a Miami offense where you had, you know, a quarterback at the top of his game, an offense coordinator that knew what he was doing. This was a guy that was an effective receiver. The problem is, I don't know if any of those options are any sort of dependable. You know, we, we Greg, uh, I'm sorry, Gabe Davis had his opportunity to kind of take that number two spot and grab it with both hands. Didn't really do it last year. Talked about Hardy and the injury problem. Sherfield, you know, he could still just be a career special teamer. I love Kincaid, but rookie tight ends, you know, generally they top out about 600 yards and, and that's like 40 yards a game. I don't know if that's going to be enough of an impact to really change what the Bills have behind Stephon Diggs. I'm encouraged that there are so many options. You would think at least one of those guys is going to pop and, you know, overperform what probably the, the mean, you know, expectations would be for that guy. But picking which one it would be, having confidence in any one of those guys to be able to elevate their game to what the Bills need to compete with, you know, that trio that Cincinnati has. I don't I can't sit here and say I feel good about it, but at least there are options. And I think all those options have a, an upper end, a ceiling that is encouraging going into the season. What's your personal feeling on Shakir? The way yet last season went, the way this season, the offseason has gone to bring in a few more guys and what his role might be. I think he's a smart guy. I think he knows how to get open in zone coverage, but I think guys get drafted in the fifth round for a reason. You know, normally in the draft, the the faster, taller, bigger guys, those are the guys that go early, the guys that coaches feel like they can mold. You know, you got the physical skills. Let me teach you how to play the game. With Shakir, I think he knows how to play the game. I just wonder if he's too physically limited to be an overly effective receiver. I think this is a guy that's going to play a long time in the NFL, but is he more than a fourth receiver? Is he more than your second slot guy? I'm not sure about that. And I put him in the same category, maybe less so than the other guys. I think, you know, Kincaid and Hardy and Davis. um, I think those three guys have much higher ceilings than what Shakir has. I think Shakir is a pretty good floor, but if if the bills are going to go into this season and think, well, Khalil Shakir is the guy that's going to put us over the top. I think that's probably expecting too much of a guy who, again, was a fifth-round pick. Thad Brown, he is the sports director at WROC-TV in Rochester. You can follow him on Buffalo Kickoff Live and find him there, I should say, uh, throughout the season as well. I'll be on that show along with 
Josh Reed and Heather Prusak and Tim Graham, Matt Perino. We'll be bringing you that uh, during the season. Matt Bove, not here. Of course, WKBW TV, Channel 7 in Buffalo, sports director. So Thad is nice enough to join me on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. And Thad is going to be all over training camp when the Bills get there in Rochester. Let's talk about that now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Can't wait for it. You know, um, Bill's coming back to Fisher for another season. It's a, a one-year contract. You know, we in Rochester love having camp in town. You know, for for all the people who, who live in this town and follow the Bills, and and it's, you know, obviously a, a ton of people percentage-wise, football fans here, especially the way the Bills have played the last few years. And, you know, what you notice here, and I'm sure you, know, you might notice in Buffalo too, it's not just the football fans that are into the Bills. It's it's the 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 average, you know, sports fan. It's the you know, I want to be a part of the the big thing. I will admit my wife, who probably was a passive Bills watcher, who would talk to me about the Bills only because she knows it's my life for six months. You know, would she have a comment here or there? Oh, J.P. Lossman was terrible today, stuff like that. Now she's in the game. She's watching games. She's, you know, following it day to day. So when you have that kind of interest, you know, beyond just the average football fan, to be able to have those guys in town, to, you know, be able to go and, and see them, they're not playing a game, but they're they're doing football stuff to do it for free to, to be able to you know be up close to be able to get the autographs. You know, it, it is a something that we in Rochester take a lot of pride in that we are able to host the Bills for just three weeks, but we are still a training camp home, and it's always exciting when they come here. I know also personally for me, I love just not having to drive the throughway for two hours ah. every day to cover the Bills. So you know, training camp is always a fun part of year. Well, it's it's always interesting for me because. It's not that far of a drive, right? It's like an hour and 20 minutes from my house to St. John Fisher University. But as I always tell my wife, that means it's three hours a day in the car where mm-hmm. I need to be getting work done, right? So instead of driving out there and driving back, I'll stay at the dorm. I'll drive out on one night, you know, stay one day or whatever, stay overnight, stay overnight again, have a dorm. PR takes care of us. We have dorm rooms all set up, things like that. A lot of us, you and I, will go out, we'll get a drink, we'll get something to eat at night. You know, we'll just have... Uh, conversation about the team or whatever, but it's a lot easier when they're, when I'm there just to kind of wake up in the morning, go downstairs, get on the morning show, cover practice, do all my articles, videos, whatever I got to do. And then, you know, do a WGR hit and then stay overnight. Now that said, that's not going to happen as frequently this year overall, because there's only 10 practices. We've seen this kind of dwindling down and down over the last few years, no surprise necessarily, but 10 practices, is that too little? Do you, did you expect more this year? No, I think that's that's pretty typical. We had more last year because the Bills played that Thursday game, so camp began a few days earlier. Right. It still is going to end at about the same time of year. 
So that'll decrease the number of practices from last year. But I think if you go to the camp before that, or actually you'd probably have to go back three years to before right. COVID, but 10 to 11 to 12 practices is about the wheelhouse for the Sean McDermott, you know, camp at Fisher. Now, like I said, it's a one-year agreement between Fisher and the Bills for this year. And, you know, from what I understand, the, the future is very much in question. I, I think both sides want to be together. I think the Bills like going to Fisher. You know, Sean McDermott, no matter where he has coached, what level he's coached at, what job he's had, every single year, whether it be the Panthers, the Eagles, or the Bills, he has always gone away for at least a couple weeks to start camp. And, you know, football coaches, they're notorious for not changing things when this is how we've always done it. So I don't think the Bills want to necessarily bring camp back to Buffalo, but, you know, there's agreements, there's, you know, things that need to be worked out. Um, and at this point, you know, this camp is only guaranteed through this season. The future is still, you know, like I said, in question, even though I think in a perfect world, both sides would want to continue, you know, having camp at Fisher for the foreseeable future. Wednesday, August 26, 945 a.m. is when they start. Thursday, August 10th, 945 a.m. is when they stop. That's their July last practice. What's that? You said, I think you said August 26th, July I did. 26th. There you, thank you very much for the correction. July 26th is when they start. Uh, August 10th is when they end. They do have 12 total practices, um, but one is in Orchard Park, the return of the blue and red, and one is closed to the public. So that's why we got to 10 overall for the public to, to view. All right, so Rochester, you got that. And then right away, you have three preseason games. They'll be at home against the Colts. They have a couple of road games. And then it's the regular season, a big Monday night game against the New York Jets. Um, a lot of talk about the Jets this year, obviously with Aaron Rodgers, rightfully so. He didn't participate very much in OTAs. They canceled their last week of uh, their their mandatory minicamp. They canceled the whole thing. He's not going to get much time with his receivers in training camp as far as games are concerned. Right? He's not going to play in a preseason game. I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers will play in a preseason game. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Right? I Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. But kind of have the feeling like it did last year with the Bills playing Matthew Stafford, who really kind of had a limited offseason. And he was a little bit rusty. So – you know, from the Bills standpoint, are they catching the Jets at the right time in week one? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I don't care how much Aaron Rodgers plays in the preseason. The Jets, by the way, do have the Hall of Fame game this year. So they do have right. an extra preseason game, you know, should you want to, you know, play Rodgers a little more with the offense. But regardless, you know, I, I look at this, the people made the Tom Brady with the Bucks comparison a lot. And there's a lot of things wrong with that. But the one thing I do 100% agree with is that the Jets offense with Aaron Rodgers is going to be a lot better as the season goes on, they're going to be a lot more cohesive, a lot more understanding of what everybody's role is in the offense when you get into November, into Thanksgiving, into December. So for the Bills to catch the Jets week one, and not only catch the Jets week one, but you get that road game week one. So, you know, theoretically, if you think Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are the biggest threat to the Bills this year, well, that makes at the Jets your toughest division game of the year. You catch them week one when the Jets offense is probably at its most discombobulated. I think it's a huge break for the Bills. And a big opportunity to take advantage of that situation, too. The Jets' opening six weeks are the hardest in the NFL, obviously based on last year's record. If you give the Jets a loss week one, and maybe they start two and four, one and five even, you know, who knows what happens in that maelstrom of media that is New York City? Who knows what happens in Aaron Rodgers' head? So it's a great opportunity for the Bills to take a division rival, knock them down a few pegs, and give yourself that you know, that buffer, that advantage that I think we expect the Bills to have is, in my opinion, still the class of the division. You know, obviously on the flip side, 
Jets win the game, then that hype machine that's already going to New York is just going to, you know, flip into overdrive. So a big game, but still, if I'm picking schedules, if I'm trying to pick games for the Bills, I would have 100% put at New York Jets in week one. Those uh, games you talked about for the Jets, they go to Dallas after they play the Bills. Then they have New England at home. Then the Chiefs at home. Then they go to Denver. Then they play the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. After a bye, it's the Giants and the Chargers who are no cakewalk. Obviously, either of those two teams. So, yeah, you're right. Um, those are That's eight games total, but the first six before you get to the bye are pretty much a gauntlet. And then you have the Miami Dolphins making news this week. Unfortunately, Tyreek Hill in an uh, incident in Miami uh, under investigation. We'll see where that goes. But that being said, obviously a very big part of their offense. They've made some moves this offseason, especially the addition of Vic Fangio seems to be the one thing they've done that people are really, really excited about. But it all comes down probably to the health of quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Is that the key for you? Like if you say, hey, if I told you right now, Thad, Tua is healthy for, you know, 16, 17 games, does that make them a major threat to the Buffalo Bills versus maybe if he isn't? Yes, 100%. If, Tua, if you tell me right now, Tua's going to play 17 games, I think the Dolphins win 10 or 11. I think they're no worse than second place, and I think they're very much a threat to the Bills. I am interested to see how all the defensive changes kind of fit together. You know, you have Bradley Chubb, who kind of came in midseason, really was not effective at all last year, but now you give him a full offseason, you put him under Vic Fangio, who is you know one of the more respected defensive minds in the NFL. Let's not forget Jalen Ramsey's on that team now. You know, between him and Xavier Howard, it's crazy to think the Bills have Tredavious White, who is, you know, unquestionably one of the top few, you know, corners in the league. Assuming he's back to 100% this year, I think he will be. And yet the Bills, probably when you want to talk about corner tandems, might be a distant third in their own division behind Howard and Ramsey in Miami and behind Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed with the Jets. That's how good the corner position is in the division and specifically – you know, with the Dolphins, assuming Ramsey, I think, you know, goes back to a level where we've seen him at before. He's not that old. I think he's 28. So this is not a guy who you would think would be, you know, heading down the backside of his career already. But fitting those pieces together with a new coordinator, you know, in, in a spot where I think the Dolphins have had talent defensively, but really haven't often assembled it into a cohesive, dangerous unit. I mean, they got good Jalen Phillips to me has been, you know, one of the more under-discussed defensive stories yes. in the AFC East. Christian Wilkins, I know everybody hates him, but the guy can play. Uh, the the safeties are very good, Javon Holland. So the Dolphins have players, you know, and, and if Fangio puts them together, I mean, you, you think about the gauntlet of defenses the Bills have to face, and their defense is good too. But New England, Jets, Miami, I mean, there's not an AFC East division game this year where the, the defensive squad for either team is going to be you could have four top 10 defenses theoretically in that division so you know there, there's potential there for Miami to be you know a very very good team on both sides of the ball but again you know back to your question it's all about Tua if he plays 10 games if he plays 17 games to me those are two entirely different outlooks for Miami I'm a big Jalen Phillips fan of myself I just think he's a fantastic player and you're right he's on an ascension um him and Wilkins, the two guys you mentioned, I thought would be fits for the Bills at the times both of those guys were drafted. Of course, the Bills did draft Jalen Phillips' teammate, Greg Rousseau, in that draft when they took Greg Rousseau in the first round. Phillips had already gone to the Miami Dolphins. All right, I made a statement. I wrote on Twitter, Thad, I was not trying to troll Patriots fans, I promise. Now, it's not past me to troll Patriots fans. I'll do that. I'll tell you right now. I don't mind doing that. I don't mind ruffling feathers. But I wrote last week, the Patriots are the fourth best team in the AFC East. If they sign DeAndre Hopkins... They're the fourth best team in the AFC East. Do you agree with my statement? 
No, hundred percent. I saw that Thank tweet, you. and and I know I know how it looked. I know why it was taken the way it was taken. Right. But I still think it's accurate. Yeah. I mean, now look, New England is not. New England might be the best fourth place team in the NFL. This right. is still a team that can easily win seven to ten games. You know, depending on how things break, schedule wise, injuries, whatever, what have you. Mac Jones, I, I know people, you know, kind of look down on him. I think he can play at an acceptable level. You want to throw the term game manager out? I'm probably fine with that. But with Josh Uche and Matthew Judon, you know, the Patriots have the best pair of edge rushers, maybe until Von Miller's healthy in the division. And, you know, regardless of who's the best, who's second best, those two guys are still nasty. When you begin with that, you add in what Bill Belichick can do defensively. They've still got pieces in the secondary that are dangerous. New England's a, a good team. And I would pick them to finish fourth, but I, I can easily see things going wrong for either Miami or the Jets, probably more likely the Jets, to where New England could finish ahead of one or both. So, yeah, New England is the fourth place team in the, in the division, the fourth best team, but they're a dangerous fourth place team that could easily figure into a wild card discussion, you know, if things again do break right. Are they a threat to the Bills? I, I don't think so. They do not have the quarterback. Or the pieces, I mean, other than Ramondre Stevenson on offense, is there anything you're scared about? I mean, the, the big conversation with New England's offensive improvement centers around Bill O'Brien. If the guy's wearing a headset and that's your big improvement, I'm really not that overly concerned, especially where the Patriots offense was last year. I mean, they had corners, whether the Guyton was the guy against the Bills who scored a touchdown on a, on a quick throw. Corners who were their most dangerous offensive weapons. This is not an offense that scares anybody. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about O'Brien like that, and I'm thinking about the Fangio conversation. It's really the, the coordinators that are coming in on these two teams, Miami on their defensive side and New England on the offensive side, really that people are looking at as these big acquisitions and additions to see where the team can go. And then you have the Bills and Sean McDermott, right, calling plays, which is going to be interesting, a departure from Leslie Frazier and how that might change. And there's a big change in New York, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers. So this is, a, a, this is an interesting division from that standpoint, and I agree with you. Yes, it, it comes off as, oh, my God, here you go after Patriots fans again. But the follow up to what I wrote is true, which is it's still a good team. Like they can still win enough games. They can even compete for the playoffs. I just don't see them passing the Jets or the Dolphins unless either a Tua just doesn't play enough games or B Aaron Rodgers doesn't stay healthy, which obviously is possible. Is that the big concern for the Jets keeping Aaron Rodgers healthy all year? You know, the one thing about the Jets that I don't think anyone has talked about that, that probably should be talked about more is that I don't think their skill guys are all that intimidating. Now, look, um, you know, obviously mm -hmm. Garrett Wilson, great first year. I mean, it seems like the sky's the limit for that guy. But to be fair, it's one good year for a rookie. We'll see. You know, there, there's been plenty of cases where rookies have an excellent first year. I mean, Elijah Moore in the same team the year before didn't play as well, but it, it fits the, the point I'm trying to make. Beyond that, you know, what do the Jets have at receiver? I mean, Alan Lazard probably a solid number two at best. Nicole Hardman, okay. Um, Corey Davis, fine. I mean, th there's no one in that group that, that's going to bother you. I like Ty Conklin as a tight end, but if he's better than 10th in the NFL, I think that'd probably be a reach. Brees Hall, if healthy, would be a fantastic weapon. But I compare what happened with Brees Hall to what happened with Saquon Barkley when he did his ACL you know, back in 2020. Barkley's 2021 season was not – and he was a shadow of himself. So expecting the Jets to get anything out of Brees Hall this year, I think is asking too much. So when you look at that, that skill group, it's Garrett Wilson and what? You know, now look, could Aaron Rodgers elevate all those guys and make them a little bit better to where they are dangerous? Sure. Could the Jets defense be so good that they don't have to have great skill guys because all they got to do is score 20 points to win a bunch of games? Absolutely. But 
you know, I don't think this skill group is anywhere near as good as it would need to be to where they are a bona fide Super Bowl contender. Again, it can happen. It's in the realm of possibility, but but their skill guys underwhelm me too much to where I look at they have Aaron Rodgers and they're all set. I think it's going to take a little more than that. All right, Thad, you've been to London. That's a great trip. We're all looking forward to going to London to cover the Buffalo Bills. But outside of that, what's your what's your road trip this year you're most looking forward to from either a professional or personal standpoint? Well, I'm excited about LA and Miami, not in early September. Yes, I, mean, I love it. That is going to be season. last year. The Bills were the only NFL team that did not have a warm weather game or a dome game after Thanksgiving. Only team in the league. So every single game we did after Thanksgiving was outside and cold. Yeah. This year we get the flip side. You know, and, and I think on top of that, you know, personally not having to work Thanksgiving, having the opportunity to be home for Christmas, you know, catching that Saturday game was a was a huge break i think personally for us that weekend so you know those are the things that kind of stick out to me london is is the trip of the year you know beyond that i mean i'm, I'm looking to fill in the last few spots of stadiums i haven't been to so for me it's just arizona san francisco and uh, dc i think are all i got left so oh really um, Hold outside on, those- for me it's arizona san francisco and vegas Oh, Vegas too. I haven't gone to Vegas. Okay. Yet. I'm like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. You've been to Vegas. I was going to ask because yeah. if you had the other two, we would have knocked those off during the COVID year. The COVID year. Remember we had, we had that conversation playing golf where, where you yeah. looked at me and you said, which would you pick? Would you rather have no football and then slide that whole schedule next year so we can travel the whole thing or have football? And I kind of laughed and said, I'd rather have no football because we really wanted to take all those trips that year when it was Arizona, San Fran, yes. and Vegas on the road. But yeah, so you know, hopefully we'll get another chance of those three. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I've missed DC, you know, over the years. Um, but in, you know, when I look at trips, those are the only, the places I like to go. Seattle is a place I love to go, not just for the stadium, but for the city. I like Nashville, but we've been there so many times. It's kind of, you know, run its course with me. Those are the trips that would get me excited beyond that. I mean, look, a lot of the cities have, have things I like and look forward to stadiums too. Um, but you know, outside of, of, of London this year, there's not a, a, a game in particular because of where I'm going that I think has me overly interested. By the way, if you looked at next year's away schedule, you know, these things are determined. I'm not trying to get a year and a half ahead, folks. Okay. But it is interesting. Next year, they do. do we do things like this all the time. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. Uh, they go back to LA because they play the Rams next year and they go to Seattle next year. So next year, you kind of get, you get both those things. And who knows? You could have another, you know, Europe game. Of course, you still have Miami in that schedule, but Hey, LA and Seattle in the same year ain't bad. Yeah, that'll be a good year. I mean, there's always good years. I mean, yeah. there's very rarely a season where you're like, oh, you know, we're, what are we doing? We're doing Cleveland and the Jets, and that's it. There's always a, a fun place to go. And it's, it is nice to be able to see these different stadiums, and especially yeah. with the Bills, you know, especially with the Bills building a new stadium. Yeah. You know, I've, I've definitely noticed a little more about, you know, where is the locker room located? You know, how are the luxury suites positioned? Where, you know, what, what is what is this arrangement? How does, what is the architecture like? It's it's fun to kind of dive into a little of that and then compare it to what the Bills are planning, you know, for 2026 in Orchard Park. That tell everybody where they can uh, follow you and all of the different coverage they'll be getting, especially during training camp in Rochester, where a lot of people will be coming from all places to see their Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at ThadBrown7. That's the number one place to start. I am on Instagram at ThadBrown7, working a little more there as well. And then online, you can find the the longer work, the more formal stuff at rochesterfirst.com. All right. Matt Bove not here, but he will be back shortly. And uh, Thad Brown, in the meantime, did a great job filling in. And especially on short notice, we were playing golf today. And I'm like, 
hey, dude, can you come on the show tonight with me? I got, I need, I need a guy. And you're like, absolutely. So I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Hey, man, thanks for the invite. And, and to Matt Bove, congrats. Hope you're back soon. Hope all is well. And I uh, hope to see you guys soon. And Sal, I'm going to see you again tomorrow. We're playing golf again. We are playing golf again tomorrow. By the time people are listening to this, we'll actually be back on the golf course again. Thank you very much to our producer, Lucas Buckley. Always doing a great job here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app on audio, however you pod, it doesn't matter. And of course, on the YouTube page, at Sal Sports, you can see our faces here as we talk to you. Thanks a lot.